The only good Indian is a dead Indian. Welcome to Native Spirit Radio here on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Rhonda, your host here for the next hour. And we will be uh, having a guest on today as Dirk Whitebreast. And he will be talking about um, his mission about uh, getting the issue of a suicide in Indian country uh, on the forefront of of things that are going on because you know there's so many things going on with this issue that is not being addressed um, but in 2011 uh, Dirk addressed this issue uh, by running 10 marathons in 30 days and so we're going to get back in contact with him and talk about his mission in, in getting this issue addressed uh, today in 2015. So stay tuned for that interview. It'll be happening in a couple of minutes. But we will get into some music and we'll be uh, playing some northern style drumming. And this is Cree Confederation and McGilvery style off their horse dance CD. You're listening to Native Spirit Radio here on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio.
You're listening to Native Spirit Radio here on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Rhonda, your host here. And like I said, we're going to have a, a special guest on air with us. That's uh, Dirk Whitebreast. Dirk, are you there? Yes. All right. Awesome. Um, so you know, there's all sorts of issues going on in Indian country that we need to address um, with our health uh, financial issues, sovereignty issues. Um, but Mr. Whitebreast has been on the forefront of one issue that has been uh, very important. And and I know you, Dirk, feel it hasn't been addressed. And I, I, I really haven't seen it addressed as well. Um, that is suicide in Indian country. And, and I really think this really affects us because it's affecting our young people. And if we don't have that younger generation with us, what are we going to look into the future? And I just wanted you to talk about how you got involved um, with this issue. Uh, I know in 2011, you completed 10 marathons in 30 days to make sure people were aware of this issue. But I wanted you to tell um, your story of how you became involved with this. Yeah, first I just want to say um, thank you, Rhonda, for um, inviting me to um, be a part of today's show. Um, my name is Dirk Whitebreast, and I am from Tama, Iowa. I am a member of the Sacking Fox tribe of the Mississippi in Iowa, also known as the uh, Miswaki Nation. And um, I'm currently serving on the um, Board of Advisors for the Center for Native American Youth out of Washington, D.C., and I also um, serve as a um, board member for the um, Iowa Commission of Native American Affairs within the state of Iowa. Um, my my background with this issue is um, a very personal one. In um, 2003, I lost my one of my sisters, um, Darcy Joe, to um, suicide. Um, she was 18 years old at the time. Um, as, as I've gone across the country, you know, particularly within any country, and I've shared this story with people, you know, if there's any way that I've been able to um, summarize things, if there's a simple way of putting it, she graduated, well, she graduated in January, she turned 18 in February, and she was gone in March. And um, at that time... You know, I was actually living down in Lawrence, Kansas, and um, still really unsure of who I was at the time, not sure which direction I was going in, um, struggling with my own um, alcoholism. And so I remember me and my girlfriend went out the night before, hung out with friends, and... All I remember is um, me and her getting into a fight. I don't remember over what, but I remember waking up alone the very next day, and I remember waking up to the door knocking of our apartment, and it was her. I knew it was her. So I get up, open the door, and she comes in. I set her down on the couch, and I'm about to apologize. I, I don't know what I'm apologizing for because I don't remember, but... We were going to square things away, and just as I was about to talk, I got a phone call, and and I answered the phone, 
and it was my aunt, Danette. You know, we call her Nettie. And, and she's crying. And, and I immediately knew something was wrong. And so she finally was able to, you know, collect herself and tell me. And she said, you know, Darcy killed herself. And, you know, I, I can remember that like it happened yesterday. You know, the phone fell out of my hand. My body fell to the floor. You know, I collapsed and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And, you know, that day, the day that I had got this information from the minute I picked up that phone call, you know, that was the last time that I ever drank, you know. And so, you know, it's always been an interesting thing for me because, you know, I'm very grateful for the sobriety that I have. You know, I've, I've been 12 years sober. You know, two weeks ago is 12 years. And, you know, but it's also um, such a bittersweet thing because every day that I'm sober is the same amount of time that my sister's been gone. And so that's, you know, it's just something that's always there. You know, I carry that with me. But um, after that happened, you know, I thought it was important to come back home and be closer to my family. So I left Lawrence and came back to Tama and tried to figure things out. Where were we going? Because, you know, we were just kind of riding on her future. You know, all right, there she goes. She's going to, you know, do it. You know, we were, you know, we had so much invested in her. And so when all of that, changed, you know, we were left to pick up the pieces, you know, a lot of the guilt, a lot of the infighting, you know, blame, self-blame, and, but, um, you know, that same year in 2003, you know, summer turned to fall, and, you know, I, I was never a healthy person at that time myself, you know, I was probably about 250 pounds you know, maybe a little more, but, you know, for one reason or another, you know, this thought of this old pair of shoes that I had, um, I, I thought about this old pair of shoes that I had, and then I went downstairs and I found them, and and I put them on, and, and I started walking. I, I went outside and I went for a walk, and, you know, for one, it was, I used to do this at night. You know, for one, you know, because I was overweight, I didn't want people to see me. You know, I, I was kind of embarrassed about that, you know, and didn't want to be, you know, e even as a young man, you know, 20-something, I, I still felt that, you know, like I didn't want to be made fun of. But, um, you know, walking turned into um, light jogging, and jogging eventually became running, and, you know, and that was in 2003, and today I'm, this November I'll run my 45th marathon. You know, so it's just been, it's taken time, you know, and I've understood that, you know, what came with that running was also um, some sort of healing. You know, it was a very, um, not only therapeutic, but, you know, like a spiritual healing too. And... And it's still, but it's still important, you know, like I, I've managed to find myself in a better place, but that doesn't mean that 
there aren't others out there who are still struggling, who are still suffering, and are, who are still going through pain. And, you know, I thought that the reason why I had run those marathons at that time was because there weren't many people talking about suicide. You know, I, I, I've had so many conversations with, you know, different people, and that word scares people. And, and interestingly enough, in my circles, you know, close to home, you know, I can say those things and they understand where I'm coming from, but it's taken time, you know, and it's taken time for even my family to accept, you know, all right, this is who he is and this is what he's going to do with this. You know, I had to um, tread carefully, you know, I had to be respectful of, you know, how they felt about this issue as well. You know, I wasn't just out to, um, you know, do what was in my heart. I had to make sure that the things that I was saying and the things that I was doing was also, you know, good for my family, good for my other sister, Delcy, and good for my grandma because my grandma was the one who, you know, I, I think hurt the most. You know, she raised us. And, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted her to know that, you know, there's, there's reason behind this and that there's good intent behind this. You know, it's not about, um, airing out your family's dirty laundry or, you know, what, whatever you want to call it. You know, the things that we went through, you know, very traumatic experience for all of us, you know, but you take, what you've gone through and, you know, if there's any way, you know, turn it into a positive and, and use it to help others. And so ever since, you know, 2009, 2010, that's what I've been trying to do. Definitely. I, I know, um, you know, you, you ran those 10 marathons in, in 30 days, and I remember when you, you ran one of the, it was the Kansas City, you ran a marathon in Kansas City. And was that hard coming back to Lawrence when you, when you were doing that? You know, the interesting thing about um, that time, you know, when we did those marathons, um, the last two were actually um, Des Moines and Kansas City. And so... Coming back, you know, I, I still consider Lawrence like a, like a second home. And, you know, so when I was down there and I was sharing at Haskell, you know, my story, it was such a personal thing because I could just say, you know, this happened right down the street. You know, this is, I was living on this road when I, I got that phone call and and so that Kansas City Marathon was on a Saturday, and I finished that marathon and then drove right to Des Moines. And it just so happened to be um, the Des Moines Marathon 10th um, tenth, tenth running, like their 10th anniversary. And so it was just kind of fitting how, you know, all right, 10 marathons, 10 in 30 days, 10th um, anniversary. And 
and you're finishing this um, journey, you know, you're closing off this part of that journey at home. And, yeah, it, it was a very personal thing. Um, I, I, sometimes I still don't know how I got through it, but, you know, it's strength. You know, I think I, I was fortunate enough to... Um, have good people in my corner at that time who believed that it could be done and there were there were times where I doubted doubted myself and doubted the mission as well and you know but I kept them in mind and I kept my sister in mind and you know the other sisters you know the other brothers and sisters who are gone you know it wasn't about me you know I was just a part of it. The one thing I reached out to you, um, you know, we're friends, but I see stuff you post on Twitter. You posted a story that was written um, by a teacher who teaches on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And he talks about um, how surprised he was that he starts it off as at least 11 kids between the ages of 12 and 17 have killed themselves in Oglala, Lakota County on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation since December. And he's not Native American. He's just a teacher there. And and he, like, is pleading to people to say, if this was anywhere in America, we would be putting forces into why is this happening, but nobody is wondering why this isn't happening in Indian country. And and, and you re- retweeted this story. And so that's why I got in contact with you again uh, to talk about this, because why don't you think this is being addressed? I don't know if... Um Western civilization really cares about us, honestly, you know, and, and I know that's, you know, I, I try not to um, generalize, you know, because I've got, you know, non-Native friends who are, you know, working with us and for us and, you know, on our behalf and, you know, we're working in conjunction, but I, I don't really know how else to say it. You know, they're, we're just kind of in our own bubble a lot of the times. And I don't know, I, I think for a long time that, you know, we, you know, I, again, I can only speak for myself, you know, but we, we've become accustomed to that. We've learned to adapt to that. And, you know, we've seen, I don't know, is that normal? I don't know if that's a normal thing. But then there's the other side of it, you know, well, you know, where, why do we want their acceptance? Why do we need, you know, seem to, you know, seek that out at times? You know, this, this question kind of reminds me of um, a conversation me and a friend down in Kansas had, you know, where um, we, we as Indians, you know, we don't call each other out enough you know, and, and point out, you know, the other side of the situation. You know, we want one thing this way, but, you know, we fail to acknowledge the other side of it. And, you know, I think that's just something that we all struggle with. I don't know. All right. But, I'm, I'm, talking <laughs> with, I'm talking with Dirk Whitebreast, and he's been on the forefront 
of trying to get uh, suicide in Indian country addressed. And and he's been doing this for a very long time. And I actually have a, a, another person in the studio with me. This is John Judd. I don't know, Dirk, if you remember John, but he invited you to the 2012 uh, presidential inauguration to talk about what you're doing. But um, I have John here, and he, he wanted to say something as well. Go ahead, John. Uh, well, Dirk, yeah, we had met during the inaugurations, um, or the 2012 inaugurations, and I heard your both tragic and yet uh, really positive um story that you tell um and i was just for our uh, listeners i was just kind of wondering if if you could share some insight into what you think the reasons why is this so prevalent in indian country versus other uh, uh other areas of our country i mean obviously there there are many many factors um but uh maybe you could uh, enlighten our audience I think just to um, lend to the article that we're talking about, this was um, something that was printed in the um, Argus Leader by um, Dominique Allen Fenton. And um, like a lot of us, you know, we, we do live in um, small, rural, you know, quite isolated communities. And, you know, I remember what it was like growing up here before um, gaming took place, you know, and... Fortunately enough, you know, gaming has, you know, been um, a very um, beneficial thing for, for our community. And though I know that that's not the case for everyone, um, but I do remember what it was like here before. And, you know, to share a little bit more about um, my, my, my background, you know, I grew up um, being raised by my grandma, um, my mother, she had me when she was 16, and my dad, I didn't have um, much of a relationship with him up until um, the time I turned 18 when I graduated from high school. Um, so, you know, that absentee parentism, you know, was um, a very significant thing for me in my life. You know, my mother is an alcoholic. My dad is an alcoholic, you know, and my mother is also um, a recovering um, drug addict. And, you know, growing up with those things, seeing that, you know, I, um, personally, I, I felt like they, like the odds were stacked against me. Well, both of my parents are this. Why would I be anything different? You know, and, and that's, that was my, um, mindset when I was young, I thought that I was doomed to fail because of who, what I saw in front of me. I remember, and this is a story I like to, well, not like to, but a story that I share with, you know, some of these younger, younger people, um, is I remember a time when I was in my early teens, me and my friends, we were out parked somewhere and we were getting high. And and this was at nighttime, and I remember the, the dome light being turned on, and the car was full of smoke. And I remember looking at the situation, seeing where I was, and I, I told myself, you know, I, I think I'll just do this for the rest of my life. You know, maybe I'll just quit, give up now and be an addict. 
I don't think anybody would really care. And, you know, I was 15, 16 years old when I thought that, you know, and here I am today, you know, having done so much with myself and I, I would have never imagined that my life would be as good and as blessed as it is, you know, now. And it was just something that I, I, I never thought about tomorrow. You know, that's something that I, you know, I tell myself, you know, you know, think about tomorrow. But well, well, Derek, you know, I was we, 15 and I had given up. We, we know that, um, you know, our, our young people um, in so many areas uh, of Indian country face uh, such high levels of poverty, uh, alcoholism, sus- substance abuse, family abuse, um, things that you had talked about. And some of the numbers that I've... Uh, that I've looked at, you know, say that are um, even in young adults, um, perhaps triple the rate of suicide on, uh, in young adults, uh, Native American young adults versus uh, other populations. But our Native youth are at risk at some numbers, say, 9 to 19 percent uh, more frequent. And, you know, one of the things that uh, you just kind of alluded to about uh, absentee parentism. Um, I remember reading an article uh, a while back, and I don't remember the tribe. I know it was a a Northwest tribe that they had started an initiative uh, based on that very reason. A lot of, a lot of the, the whys and the hows into why are, why we have this high rate of uh, absenteeism. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we can certainly attribute that, I mean, I attribute it to um, the the generational um, institutionalization of our of our native children taken away and put into boarding schools. How can you learn to be a parent if you if all you have to look forward or look to as that model is a warden essentially? And so that tribe um, kind of had an initiative of you know how do we stop. Th- the cycle and so basically they were trying to teach parents to be parents again and and to instill into their tribe bring back that sense of value to uh the parent-child relationship uh do you do you uh would you say that that's a that's a a great way to maybe help address this or do you have other solutions that maybe you've heard through uh through the work that you do no, I, I mean, whoever that tribe is, I commend him for, for that effort. I mean, it's it's definitely an important thing. You know, one of the things that um, I know that was taking place here at Home and Tamo was um, they, they started um, like a like a man um, wellness club and like a father, a parenting club. And so I, I think that's right along the lines of what you're talking about. Um I, I think um, just from my own experience, again, you know, it always came back to my family. Um, you know, before I got on the air with you both, um, my grandma was over here at my house paying me a visit, and and I was kind of you know, like, oh, I'm trying to rush her out of the house because I was like, oh, i got to get my mind ready for this conversation. And, and she said a few things, and really put things back into perspective, you know, about what was important. And, and she left and, 
and I watched her, you know, she lives right across the street from me, and I watched my grandma walk home, and, you know, she's 70 years old, and I would watch her take these little breaks, you know, catching her breath, or, you know, her her legs are tired, and, you know, it just kind of put everything back into perspective about what, what really is important, you know. It's a simple thing like that, you know. Your your grandma coming and paying you a visit, and you know you being um, having enough in yourself to um, give her the proper respect, and you know give her the proper love, you know, and you know unfortunately, you know it's sad because we know that there are families who don't have that, you know. But I would say that you know family is definitely a very important thing, you know, not having. My dad in my life, you know, it's taken me a long time to um, learn to forgive him and learn to um, give him trust and, you know, and give him a, a space in my life, you know, and that's something I continue to work on. I'm 35 years old, and, it, and it's still something that, you know, there's a gray area, you know, but we work and we, you know, try to be better for each other, you know, and that's what I'm hoping that the things that I've been able to do with all my travels and communications with, you know, organizations and tribes and individuals, you know, that they see those things, you know, there are a lot of things that are good. You know, sometimes we don't acknowledge that, you know, young people want to be mad at their parents. They want to be mad at a lot of things, you know, and they, we, you know, not just they, we, you know, a lot of times we tend to forget, you know, that there's so much to be thankful for. Definitely. I I know this is an issue that I've, I've not just from yourself, but from other people I've heard that is not being addressed enough because it affects our Native youth. And, and they're our next generation, and we won't have a next generation if this is affecting us this much. Um, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, alerting to alerting me to this, you know, because I, I, you know, we're on Twitter. I don't see you every day, but I'm, you know, <laughs> I see the stuff you post, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a really important thing. And and reading that story, it was just so sad. And and if any of you want to read it, it's um again on the Argus leader it's called my voice in the latest wave of suicides a call for change it was done by um an 11th grade teacher on the pine ridge reservation um and he's not native american you know he's just seeing this and giving his own experience of uh, of seeing his own students having to experience suicide um and, and the one thing i think that was really great out of this whole story was that the Argus leader who printed this story wants to have a solution to it. And they, they have asked uh, the Argus leader media wants to help to build a relationship between children on the Pine Ridge Indian reservation and other students across the state. If you are a student teacher or parent interested in a modern pen pal program or other ideas to facilitate this communication, please contact the Argus leader. And so I just, I just thought that was instead of just reporting on this, offer a solution. I just think that's great. You know, it's just like, you know, not just 
telling a story but offering a solution to this and and thanks a dirk for alerting me to this because i was just like wow you know it it's this is great that we're getting people other people involved in this and are you coming back to lawrence then <laughs> i'm i'm hoping so I, I i think i might come down to the powwow it's it's likely that i'll be down to the powwow and um, before I go, you know, I, I would really like to, again, say thank you. And hi, John. It's good to hear from you again. Um, Rain Madero from Native Cry is doing some incredible things. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, how these conversations aren't taking place enough. And, you know, she's been, Raina has been, tireless in her efforts to um, keep this issue at the forefront, you know, and I I have a lot of respect for her and who she is, and, you know, she's got a personal story as well. Um, Johnny J, um, I think that's how you say her name, her last name, but um, Native Max, you know, I, I, had, um, I had the opportunity to speak with her last year, and it was um, revolving around suicide conversation we had. And, you know, she's got her own story as well. And, you know, I, I appreciate her um, opening up and sharing that with us, you know, because people need to hear these things. You know, again, you know, I don't understand, you know, me, I, I don't know why that word scares people. You know, I don't know why the word suicide scares people. And you know, there's, there's just, to me, that there's just something wrong with that. You know, I know I've had a conversation where a friend went to her own community and wanted this issue addressed with her leadership. And they didn't want her saying suicide because they were afraid that it would um, get out into the community and, you know, it would be contagious, you know, that people would choose to take their lives instead of, you know, choosing to address address the issue. Um, I, I, I'm just one of many who is trying to do their part. You know, I, I can close with that. You know, again, thank you for the opportunity. No, definitely. I know you're, you're, you're a, basically you're a one-man band going out there and you're trying to, like, make sure people know about this issue, and I appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks, Dirk. Thank you. All right. Well, so, you know, um, and, and this issue doesn't just affect, uh, reservations. It's, it's all over Indian country and urban areas. Um, this happens as well. Um, I wanted to alert you of an event going on, uh, next month, May 9th, 2015. This will be the Isaiah Ott Basketball Clinic. It'll be hosted at Lawrence High School. Um, and they're going to have guest speakers on suicide prevention, um, as well as basketball fundamentals. That's being hosted by Elwood Ott, and uh, you can get a hold of him at ott.elwood at gmail.com. That's O-T-T dot E-L-W-O-O-D at gmail.com, and and it's, you know, it's, it's for suicide prevention initiatives. It's free of charge. Uh, they want people to, you know, be aware of, of suicide prevention. Um, and it's a wonderful event. So that's going to be going on May 9th, 
2015. And I'll, I'll probably post it on my Facebook as well as my Twitter. Um, you can find me at Rhonda Lovaldo. So just uh, look it up. But again, this is an issue that's going on in Indian country. And I, I really think it's not being addressed. Um, I've had numerous people talk about how um, it's it's not being addressed and it needs to be addressed and as well as it affects our our next generation of young people that we need to make sure um, they're you know aware of the, we know these issues and we want to help people out so um, again that's going on May 9th in Lawrence Kansas uh, the Isaiah Born Ready Basketball Clinic and it's going to be hosted at Lawrence High School so again I'll post that on my um, Facebook and and my Twitter. All right. Um, so thank you to Dirk uh, for being on the show. I know it's tough. Um, wow. You know he's he's really uh, good at speaking. He's just a great guest speaker. Um, and again, if he comes uh, during the powwow, I'm pretty sure he's going to come. Um, we'll let you know, and and so you can come hear him talk. Uh, all right. Well. I guess my time is almost running out uh, here. I'm at uh, 19 minutes before the hour, but I need to do my uh, news across Indian country, so I'll just get right into that really quick. Um, in Arizona, the leader of a Hopi tribe of Arizona and the Holocaust Art Restitution Project filed a lawsuit over the auction of sacred property in France. The tribe tried to halt an auction last December but was rebuffed by the Board of Auction Sales. The same board had also refused to halt a different auction of sacred property in June. These two decisions closed the door to any tribal group and their members to file any cultural claims in France involving auction houses regardless of title-related merits. Z Soltz, the chairman of the Holocaust Art Restitution Project, said in announcing the lawsuit with Chairman Herman G. Honani of the Hopi Tribe. The U.S. Embassy has asked authorities in France to halt both auctions in order for the Hopi tribe, the Navajo Nation, and other tribes to examine the items being sold. The diplomatic entities failed to despite, failed to despite international pressure that accompanied the June sale. The Annenberg Foundation purchased some items at the auction and returned them to the Hopi tribe, the San Carlos Apache tribe, and the White Mountain Apache tribe. All right. And uh, this was a really interesting story that's going on. Uh, they want to change the face of the uh, $20 bill. And one of the people they want to change it is a Native American. Wilma Mankiller was always held in high regard in Indian country, but interest in her legacy has ramped up her inclusion in a national campaign to put a woman on the $20 bill. Mankiller, who died in April of 2003, 10 was the first woman elected to lead the Cherokee Nation from 1984 to 1995. She brought her people into a new era of self-determination and inspired a generation of Native women and girls along the way. Quote, during her two terms, she worked to create jobs, break down social and economic barriers, improve access to health care, and address the roots of both rural and urban poverty. She led her people with dignity and grace, fostering a sense of community, cooperation, and shared values. Former President Bill Clinton and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton sent in a, said in a joint statement at the time of her passing, Mankiller's achievements and accomplishments are once again drawing attention as part of the Women on 20s. The group included her on its final ballot of the most popular candidates to replace Andrew Jackson, the president whose actions forced the Cherokee people 
and other tribes to walk the Trail of Tears away from their homelands. Because of, tr- of strong public settlement that people should have this choice of a Native American to replace Andrew Jackson, Cherokee Nation Chief Wilma Mankiller was added to the final ballot. The group will wrote on its website with the public on its side the group hopes president barack obama will start the process to put a woman on the 20 dollar bill the goal is to have a selection in place by 2020 the centennial of the 19th amendment that recognized the voting rights of women based on prior votes the group named harriet tubman Eleanor Roosevelt and Rosa Parks as the other finalists. There is no deadline for voting on the final ballot. So it's really great um, that we're seeing that going on. Uh, out of Washington, the Pulliup Tribe of Washington will open the doors to the Salish Integrative Oncology Care Center. The tribe acquired the Seattle Cancer Treatment and Wellness Center and moved operations to the Trans-Pacific Trade Center on its reservation. The nonprofit clinic will provide a range of treatment options, both conventional and traditional. It's not to make money, it's to save lives. And that's what we're going to do, Chairman Bill Sterrett told King 5 News. Cancer is the leading cause of death for American Indians and Alaska Natives, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Well, a group of businesses are still trying to prevent their removal from Indian Trust land in Palm Springs, California. The businesses along South Indian Canyon Drive had a lease that expired in 2000. Since then, they have been operating under permits that can be revoked within 30 days notice. The Indian landowners informed the businesses that they must leave by May 31st. The upset entrepreneurs have appealed to the city and the Bureau of Indian Affairs for help, but they don't appear to be getting anywhere. Never in a million years did I think they would kick us out to the curb in this short time frame. Benjamin Sullivan, the owner of KBC of Palm Springs, one of the affected businesses, told KESQ. Indian allotments are common through Palm Springs. Part of the reservation is of the Agua Caliente Ban, also located within city, city limits. The BIA handles leases for Indian landowners, but probates can slow down the process. Recent deaths have impacted the situation along South Indian Canyon Drive, as well as another property where an abandoned car dealership is viewed as a blight and safety hazard. Well, another story in California, a city council in Eureka, California, voted unanimously to work with the Wyatt tribe on the return of sacred Indian land. The tribe lived on Indian Island, the island until it was nearly wiped out by a massacre on February 26, 1860. The event disrupted the annual renewal ceremony and tribal members weren't allowed to return home. The center of our world is Indian land. Council member Sherry Sider told the city council through Rika Times Standard reported, this is where we came from, this is where we sing, and this is where we pray. The city and the tribe will set up a committee to determine how to return to land. The transfer will not affect privately owned property on the island. The tribe has been able to purchase a small portion of the island in 2000, and the city donated another 60 acres in 2006. The tribe has spent $3 million to clean up the site. The tribe held the World Renewal Ceremony on the island last year for the first time since the 1860 massacre. All right, well, that's all your news across Indian country. And I thought it was only fitting 
Uh, we played some uh, Savage Family. You're listening to Native Spirit Radio here on 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Occurs. A mother carried a child to safety. They went after her. Killed and cut her breasts off. A woman sings his best song. They pray for us the moment they die. Before they bless us. Give the mess up. In the memories of them. And never forget their presence. Yes, remember the dead. Remember they live inside us. Each and every one of me. Reason for the sun. That's just me showing my love. No regret never run. Something brought me to life. And said take the option to fight. Over just watching them die. So we constantly try to live life sacred as that Until the day that we die Until the day that we back And that's the plans of the past, present, future, here and then And the music in the wind That's the proof our spirit lives That's the proof that we exist here Live in the flesh With a pride that exists inside us The life is dead We give up our minds to the struggle When it stays like that Until the day that we die Till the day that we back Cause if we die we be reborn In another day that's wrong And the state was never wrong So we stay and take them on We give up our
All right, you're listening to Native Spirit Radio here on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. It's about my time to be getting out of here. Um, but I, oh, I don't have on, hold on just a second. I'm trying to get MC Richardson to uh, talk about his conference going on. So let me see if I can try and get him back on. Um, I will play our last song and I will cut into it so he can announce this conference that he is doing. Um, that's going on Tuesday night, uh, but this is Northern Korea and I will play it to the end. But make sure you stay tuned for Sunset Reggae coming up next here on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. And I will be hopefully right back and we can do this. I got MC on the line. Are you there, MC? Yes, I am. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You know, I'm really enjoying today's show uh, on uh, Native Spirit, and uh, it's one of our top shows, but we really need to expand on the Native American programming. We need more like you. I know you're highly respected. All the people that I talk to with the Kansas City Indian Center and just about all the Native Americans that I come in contact with. But on Tuesday, the people of color, which consists of Native American, African American, and Hispanic, will conduct a community forum at the station. And the purpose is to find out and identify the needs, the participation, and also opportunities for people of color. We need them to come and speak up. And also, we do have uh, people from the Kansas City Indian Center. We have the people from Ticot, the Plain Indian. We have my good buddy, Moni, Mona Perry. We got our charity commissioner from um, the Ethnic Enrichment um Commission here in Kansas City, and the program will take place at KKFI this coming Tuesday, 5.30 to 7.30, and we'll start on time. There'll be refreshments, and we just want to extend that to all of our people to what the purpose is to strengthen KKFI 
utilization of all people in Kansas City, and I'm just particularly pushing, uh, in addition to the other people, people of color. And, like, I will extend the invitation to everybody that you invite, uh, Rhonda. I am un- unfortunately, you're tied up, and everybody got busy schedules doing anything, but we highly recognize Haskell Institute. But that's what I just want to uh, include or ask or invite other Native Americans or people of color to be in attendance this coming Tuesday at the station at 39th and Main, but on the evening you have to enter off of 39th and Walnut Park in the Great American Bank Building, and then just take the elevator to the second floor to the annex room. And I appreciate, uh, Rhonda, you allowing us allowing me this time to to ask for more people to get involved in it. Definitely. And again, what time does that start at? Tuesday. It's 5.30. It'll be 5.30 7.30. And we are planning to have a great, not only come up with solutions and remedy, but get some results. Definitely. Thank you, MC, for uh, making us aware of that. Thank you. All right. So again, that's going to be at KKFI radio station here at 3901 Main Street, Suite 203, right here in Kansas City, 64111. If you want to make sure you want to come, just go to kkfi.org and look up our, our uh, address. So again, uh, Sunset Reggae is coming up next. Uh, stay tuned for that. And I will see you guys again next weekend.